Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host Dave Elliott and on this episode we have music editor Ryan Rubin who has recently been Emmy nominated for season one of the utterly spectacular Disney Plus Star Wars series The Mandalorian. For those of you that haven't caught The Mandalorian yet, the series is set after the fall of the Empire and just before the emergence of the First Order. We follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy far from the authorities of the Republic. The series stars Narcos and Game of Thrones actor Pedro Pascal in the title role, along with Gina Carno from Deadpool, Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad, Emily Swallow from Supernatural, along with legendary actors such as Carl Weathers, Werner Herzog and Nick Nolte. If you're any form of Star Wars fan and you've not caught this yet and you've been umming and ahhing about getting Disney+, Plus, I urge you to go and buy it because this show is worth the subscription alone and the second season is due to drop before the end of the year, so now is a great time to go out and get it. In the interview with Ryan, he firstly explains what a music editor actually does much better than I could, so I will let him explain exactly what his job is. He also talks about working with John Favreau and Dave Filoni, who were sort of co-showrunners on the entire project. Also working with composer Ludwig Göransson, who brilliant, brilliant music helps shape the world of The Mandalorian you see on screen. If you'd like to hear more behind-the-scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast by searching for Geek Town Radio. This will also give you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast, which brings you all the latest TV, film and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for daily news stories and all the latest UK and US premiere dates. Here's the interview with Ryan. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. It's lovely to be able to come and have a chat with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Nominated for music editor on The Mandalorian, which Correct. was a phenomenally good show. Yeah, Just. it was great. It was a lot of fun. Is this your first Emmy nomination as well? Yeah, it is. It's not, because I guess it's, um, 
I haven't done kind of like episodic That's content true. before. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, it's, I, cause I have more, you know, film background, but it just so happened. I had a, a previous affiliation with Lucasfilm uh, yeah. working on Solo and I had literally just, and we, it overlapped for like two weeks. I, I had been working on The Lion King right. with John Favreau. And so that's how, that's how that kind of all came together. And then getting to work with Ludwig was, was amazing. He's, he's one of the guys I've wanted to work with for a while now. And it was, it was great working with him. It, he's got just like an incredible team. Yeah. Did you know much about what the project was going to be beforehand? Or was it a case of they came up to you and said, do you want to do a Star Wars? And you just said, yes. <laughs> oh, 100%. No, 100%. I had, I had known of the project you know, but nothing, everything, Lucasfilm is so under wraps, you yeah. know, kind of about every single detail of everything. So I knew it was going to be a thing and I was, I was certainly going to watch it regardless. And then you kind of get a cryptic calls and it's, oh, we have, there's a thing coming up that we like. And you kind of start trying to put the dots together and you're like, oh, is this going to be, oh, is this going to be Mandalorian? And then, then kind of when you get in there, then you're just, you're in the fold and you, it just, it just unleashes in front of you. You don't, you have no idea what's coming until like day one when you start and you signed, you know, all of your NDAs and all that fun stuff. Yeah. They just did such a phenomenal job with it. I mean, not only has it got 15 Emmy nominations of which you are one, it's got a Best Mm -hmm. Drama nomination, which I I never thought I'd see the day (laughs) that you get a Star Wars, you know, that sort of genre series nominated for mm-hmm. the best drama is is just incredible mm-hmm. so Absolutely. you're nominated for music editor do you want to just explain mm-hmm. what your job is for people oh, that sure. yeah know? absolutely i because i've been i've, I've practiced a bit because i have to tell my family all the time what it is <laughs> because they have no idea everybody <laughs> thinks i do sound effects and what, what is it, editing or there's quite a few stages in the process um this one was a little bit different because they had already kind of had a temp but Typically, I'm brought in, movies kind of just been shot, they're editing the film together, and I'll start building a temp track for the film using existing music yeah. from other movies, TV shows, the video, you know, video game scores are huge now. Mm. And it's kind of, you can kind of be a bit of a punching bag for the filmmakers to get a sense of, you know, where you need to help dramatically, or even just spotting it is really important, you know, where music starts and ends, or how it starts and ends you can really set the tone. You can tip a scene really early. And so kind of in the temping process, you can say, Oh, we need a sad bit here. Oh, little hero, you know, he's going to save the day. Oh, but then it gets dark and you can build this effectively like a roadmap for the composer. And also you're you end up doing a lot of potentially you do test screenings. So they want to have a music track in place because it would just be death on a screening to have a film with no music in it and then the audience just kind of watching it. it and so it is it's interesting sometimes there's a temp a bit of a temp track in place that the picture editor puts in there or they don't have anything and you can just watch a movie completely dry and you just kind of start spotting it in your head where you think things will be or the picture editor has an idea the director has an idea where they want things um, and you kind of just build this track you know your your roadmap for the film and then you start engaging with a composer who then, you know, watches some, in some cases, I know composers that refuse to watch a movie with a temp track in it. They don't want to be influenced by it. Mm. You know, they don't want to hear something. And even if completely through no fault of their own, they're like, they heard that one cue in there before and they kind yeah. of maybe base it kind of on that, but not really, or they don't, you know, they don't want to be too inspired by the temp or, or it's, I think it's a great tool, you know, and it, like I'm saying, it is, it's a roadmap of like, you've at least determined, Hey, we need, we have 94 minutes of music in this film. You know, it's these certain chapter points that we have to hit. 
And the composer can say, hey, that temp right there is good or no, that's you're doing it the wrong way. It's really we're coming from this character's perspective or another's. And it, it facilitates conversation, I think, in that sense. So then you go through a spot with the composer. Sometimes there's varying involvement where you could just be the temp music editor. And then the composer has their own music editor that they've worked with and you're either just keep the temp alive until the final score comes in, or you can interface, you know, maybe there is no composer and you become the composer music editor for the project. So then you start going over spotting with them, take a lot of notes, keep track of kind of where you are in the process. You know, Hey, we're, we've got eight weeks until scoring 80 minutes. We need to write 10, you know, it's, we kind mm. of keep a lot of the numbers together, like where we need to be. This is how much we've got done. This is approved. This has little notes. This has big notes. And it's just a lot of kind of like management in that regard. And sometimes you can also be an interface between filmmaker and composer or the composer and the director already have a relationship. They kind of have a shorthand and you just keep track of everything. Right. Um, And then and then this whole time, too, the film is always expanding and contracting because the cut is still changing. I mean, up until the very end. So then you go through and you kind of prep everything for orchestration. You have five scoring days, you know, that you've got to record strings, woodwinds and brass, Mm. make sure that you've got your kind of minute allotment for the day of, we need to record this many minutes of music to be on schedule so we can finish in five days time, you know, and you keep track of that, making sure you're hitting all your marks. One minute of music from one cue to another isn't equal necessarily. So some cues are a lot harder to record. You can kind of determine the session running order maybe start with something a little easy in the morning for the musicians to get their fingers warm and then get into the tougher stuff Yeah, and then dial it back down, give them a little break, but you still have to keep recording minutes. So it's a lot, it's kind of balancing a lot of moving parts in that sense. And then it's then feeding kind of keeping track of all that's everything that's been recorded and then bringing it to the dub stage, everything that they've written for a scene and nine times out of 10, what you recorded to They've already changed picture since then, since you recorded. So then we have to go through, recut it to make it fit the scenes or they've rebalanced or reshuffled sequences around. They've inserted this dialogue thing in the middle, you know, a cutaway to the guys talking in the middle of an action sequence. And then you've got to make all that transition work. Um, And then also kind of be an advocate for the score with dialogue and sound. Um, You know, and make sure that you're feeling music when you want to feel it. In the end, I think dialogue is always king. You always want to hear dialogue. So even a lot of times, hey, they're really into this cue, but I'll say, hey, I can't quite hear what the character's saying. That's really important information. Maybe we should just kind of carve out a little bit of space to make sure we hear that, whatever, you know, they're saying on screen. Or you have to just judge when does it dramatically make sense to let sound effects lead, music can kind of support, and then, oh, you know, here's the big hero thing. Hey, we don't need to hear so many of those engine roars and all that stuff. Let the hero tune play out a little bit. That's mm. that's the thing that's, you know, helping the story in this section. And that can get interesting sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes they're like, well, no, I did all this really cool stuff. I recorded this thing there, record, you know, and we're all advocates for our own department. But I think in the end, everybody in the end really wants the film and the story and just help the ebb and flow of everything. So it is, there's definitely a lot of teamwork, but it can get a little interesting at times yeah who gets sort of final say over everything is it the director of that particular episode or because John Favreau is kind of showrunner for the whole thing isn't he yeah oh it was yeah I mean, it was definitely, it was collaborative, but yeah, being, I think being the showrunner, John always kind of had the overall say, but it was also John and um, Dave Filoni. Yes, um, right. They both kind of ran it and it was kind of a lot of the same team, Matt Wood and such from who had done other Star Wars things. So they kind of know how everything works. And it was just, 
I, I, this project in particular was not terribly controversial as far as that's concerned. I think everybody was on the same page yeah. from the get go. So that was, that was great. But in, you know, any other sense, it's typically the director. A lot of times you have to, the director may not be around for the whole, every minute of the dub. So you kind of have to make decisions before you present something. And then in the end you present it and then you kind of have those conversations or other times the director's there all the time yeah. and they've, they've been on every decision and you play it back and they're like, well, maybe that wasn't the right thing or that was perfect or whatever. So it's always, it, the conversation changes or the, the workflow changes on every project. But on this one, it was pretty, pretty cohesive and everyone was pretty much on the same page. Yeah. I mean, it, it it certainly seemed like that from the the team that John pulled together for it. I, I, you know, I, I watched the behind the scenes, the Disney gallery mm-hmm. thing, yeah. which was fascinating. And uh, yeah. with this, one of your jobs, you said putting kind of temp music in. Mm-hmm. Were you given any guidance to what sort of temp music to go for? Because you say Star Wars, the obvious thing will be, well, there's a mountain of John Williams score there. But the music yes. for this was quite different as well. Well, this one, the temp, when we came on, I worked with another music editor, Stephanie McNally. We both actually did Lion King together. Right. And we both kind of came on to yeah. do this. Um, there was a lot of temp kind of already in place. There definitely was a bit more of the electronic stuff already in the temp but then it had it had some of those iconic star wars moments as well Mm -hmm. you know and big you know john williams themes and i think it was more just hey big orchestra here that's what we need and it's kind of it it can definitely take you out of the moment and it particularly if you're as kind of music nerdy as i am and i know a lot of those themes and it's like well no that's actually Poe's theme from this. It's like that. Yeah. You can't, can't put that there. That's wrong. Or it's, it's not, there is no force here or, you know, that's not the rebel fanfare, any of those things, but it, it just shows intention. Yeah. Um, but it, it was not like a traditional full on Star Wars temp that was in place, you know, right. already. And given, I think it just kind of happened to be set in the Star Wars world, but it wasn't necessarily as musically like the, the intention was not to just do a John Williams, you know, Star Warsy kind of score from day one. And it definitely like Ludwig came in with his little the bass recorder thing at the beginning. And like yeah. you just knew that, oh, OK, definitely got a little bit of Morricone in there. It's kind of like an old West kind of thing anyway. Way, you know, a lot of those things were kind of in place to begin with. But then, you know, I think John just kind of really let Ludwig do his thing and what felt right to him. And again, they were pretty well on the same page from the get go. So yeah. it was and it was interesting doing it in kind of an episodic format as well, which on this kind of scale, I haven't seen a lot of those Star Wars in episodic formats before, or at least I'm far more familiar with the films and not some of the other offshoots. Yeah, I mean, Dave Filoni, I guess, has some experience of that, but in animation rather than live action. So they're, mm-hmm. they're not sure. Sure. I mean, this really is the first kind of proper Star Wars live action TV series. And yeah. um, I think the Morricone feel to it sort of makes sense because of the type of character that mm-hmm. Mando is. So yeah, totally. in terms of other stuff that you've been working on this, do you have mm-hmm. any particular favorite moments that you help put together any particular scenes? It's actually like the first thing in the movie and the original, the, and I had truly nothing to do with it more than just like <laughs> what Ludwig wrote for it. And it it was just like you kind of just witnessing that moment and being like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. The, the Morricone thing. It was just one of those. It all just kind of clicked into place. And you just you kind of got what they're they're trying to do yeah. in this show. And then just kind of like being support in this one for more so than anything else, because it was the episodic thing is is tricky because it's not something I've done before. 
you start one episode, you start scoring that one, but then at the same time, you're also starting other episodes mm. and kind of like you're in this constant, like very beginnings on later episodes, but we're trying to finish up something else at the same time and just trying to help kind of navigate that whole thing is just a bit trickier. And it's not something that I was I'm particularly used to just because film in general is so much more linear. Yeah. You know, you have temp, temp writing score mix, and that's just kind of, you go in that direction. And it was, I think it was really challenging and interesting to kind of have to juggle all those portions of the process kind of simultaneously based on all the other episodes. And then also just getting to work with like Ludwig and watch him and just watch him do his thing. He's kind of such like a singular thing. Yeah. Um, he just has his own sensibility and he's just, the guy's just a monster. He can just, he could just do everything. <laughs> and he plays, he plays everything you know, he does all these recordings and then like puts all the pieces together. It's just super fun and great to be a part of that in, you know, whatever small fashion. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned a few times there, this is like your first episodic thing mm -hmm. that you've done. Although mm -hmm. I have to say your work on movies, I mean, it's mm -hmm. like a CV to die for. I mean, I think the first <laughs> thing you, the first thing you were, you were on, on as listed on your IMDb as music editor rather than assistant uh -huh. music editor, I think was the Simpsons movie. Yeah. Yeah. From that, it's like Inception, Mad Max Fury Road, Interstellar, Dark Knight Returns, Dunkirk, Blade Runner 2049, yeah. Lion King, yeah. Wonder Woman, yeah. the new Wonder Woman you've just done, Top Gun Maverick as well as the other thing mm -hmm. you've been working on. So, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. that's an insane list of projects. And, I, and I've missed some of them out in that list as well. So, <laughs> Fair enough. No, I've been incredibly fortunate. I got assisting gigs with some really great music editors early on, and it was kind of... It wasn't quite transition from film to digital, but I was just a really tech nerdy kind of guy and got Pro Tools. And a lot of people just helped me along the way. And then, you know, meeting, it was kind of meeting Hans on Nancy Myers. It's complicated. Right. And it was, I remember at the end of the show, he's like, hey, what are you doing next? And I said, I, you know, I don't know. I'm actually, I'm, I'm out of work after this movie. And he said, well, why don't you come to my studio on Monday and we'll, we'll have a chat. And I went over there and I don't know if you've seen photos of his studio. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive. Is this, this Hans it's, Zimmer, this? is yeah yeah, yeah. Hans, Hans Zimmer's place with no control and it's oh and yeah, yeah. Santa Monica isn't it yeah 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 and he said he's like hey I've got this movie coming up with you know the Simpsons would you be interested in that I was, <laughs> yes absolutely I'm in 100% and it kind of it's all taken you know it's taken off quite a bit from there and then you know I've still got to work with a, a lot of other composers along the way like John Powell Steve Jablonski I got to work with Danny Elfman you know a Tim Burton movie and like I mean, there's just so many in Junkie XL on Mad Max. And it's just, yeah, it's, I've been, I've been incredibly for every time I get a call to do one of those years, like where, okay, where do I go from here? Oh, doing the Michael Jackson movie. This is it. The concert. Thing. Right. Like, that yeah, was, yeah. That was incredible. Uh, working with Metallica on there. It's been a great ride. And I still feel incredibly like lucky whenever another one of these comes up at the end of every movie. It's like, well, that's it. I don't know what I'm doing next. I, you know, cause we're a gig, you yeah. know, gig based. You're, you're on a movie three, four, five six months and then you you just don't know what's next so you're just like well am i gonna be you know making sandwiches in a deli after this <laughs> or something i've no i've no idea so it's been it's been a great ride and i've been particularly fortunate just to keep working during this whole pandemic too which is not you know because our whole industry yeah, is yeah. just taking a huge hit yeah um but yeah count my blessings every day truly so was the transition from film to something that's more serialized was that a huge adjustment process other than the sort of overlapping stuff because i i know there are some people that say yeah on the composer side composers <clears throat> that have done film there's a lot of them that 
that can't cope with the TV side of things because it's just insane amount of music that they have to produce. Yeah. But well, on my end of it, not so much. I mean, it was and Ludwig has done had done episodic content before, and right. he's just incredibly fast. And so truly, I mean, more so the burden is on him than anything else. And most everybody, you know, that we were working with Ludwig and John and all them come from a film background as well. So we were, we were all kind of on the same page. So it was, you know, like I said before, it was just the kind of scoring and temp or, you know, temping or starting. That was the trickiest part of the whole thing for me, just because it wasn't something I was used to. But, yeah. but beyond that, and I don't think... I wouldn't say that they, you know, I mean, the episodes were kind of had their own feel to them. You know, the episodes mm. were quite, could be quite different from one another. But then still, I think they kind of, everybody saw things as like a bigger arc than just, you know, this is this episode. It was all, it was always going towards something else. So it wasn't, it was just basically like a really long movie that you worked, you know, yeah. they were just eight, eight really long reels rather than eight episodes effectively. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of episodic, you know, a lot of the good episodic TV, that's sort mm -hmm. of what it is at this point, you know, it's yeah. not unlike procedural stuff, the, mm -hmm. this sort of stuff, the high end, you HBO and, and things like this, those sort of, yeah, big dramas tend to be that sort of 12 hour movie or whatever it is you know sure well and it's it's interesting too the way that you know it's also how they release it too and like you know some of them like netflix will just drop a whole season on you yeah. and then you can kind of binge it in a sense where it does almost play like a movie but then also there's the you know releasing an episode a week which is i kind of prefer that and it lets you like build up for the next one the cliffhangers kind of pay off because you have to wait for the next episode to come out i kind of dig that approach yeah i'm very much the same i sort of prefer them coming out weekly because you absorb it more i think it sits with you yeah. longer you know mm -hmm. and sure. like i i've just watched the umbrella academy on netflix which i adore that show but i binge through it mm -hmm. in like two evenings <laughs> you know sure and now yeah. i now i'm sad because like i've got to wait for you know <laughs> right. another 18 months or something before it comes around again so yeah. um, whereas if it's spread out over a couple of months you kind of yeah you sort of absorb it over a nice long period I, I much prefer that I think it's much nicer no definitely I agree um, but then again I do I do appreciate the binging every once in a while too like I I binged Watchmen recently and it was just I was blown away that thing is yeah oh, that thing is that was incredible that was yeah. a great 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 series and I'm glad I didn't have to wait a week just for purely selfish reasons I was just so into it yeah uh, no, I, I'm with you on that. That was an absolutely phenomenal show. Yes. Just a groundbreaking bit of TV, I think. that. Not that The Mandalorian hasn't had its own groundbreaking stuff. I mean, the volume is a spectacular piece of kit. Oh, absolutely. They just did, I mean, technically speaking, all kind of all disciplines on that show were just firing on all cylinders. It was mm -hmm. really, it was really impressive to kind of watch the whole creative team behind it. And the way that they're shooting the episodes with those screens behind it, like all that is, it's really incredible yeah the volume is basically the 360 degree mm -hmm. led yeah. studio for yeah. those people that are listening that don't know just a phenomenal piece of kit and was there any sort of new things that you ended up doing on the sound side of stuff with new techniques on that side as well not as far as like music edit editorial yeah. was concerned i mean ludwig kind of just built his own little he made his own little like world yeah. of sounds and kind of his own environment in that he made his own like musical volume as it were yeah. which i which i really appreciate when they kind of you know you don't just lean on a traditional orchestra and it yeah different tunes that they're cool but it's it's so familiar 
but then for them to build this whole uh, musical vocabulary specifically for the show was was really mm-hmm. great. But again, from an editorial standpoint, not so music editorial standpoint, not so technically like different than other than yeah. other projects. It is, of course, coming back for a second season mm-hmm. later this year, I believe, is the plan at the moment. Because uh, yeah. you done on it now? Is it all filmed and sorted? I don't. That well, actually, I'm not on this season. Oh, okay. um, I had other I had other engagements, um, but I, my friend Stephanie is back again. Right. Okay. Um, I know I know they're working. I don't quite know what stage of the process we're in. We just kind of catch up and and, yeah. and chat every now and again. But no, I'm not involved in season two just for scheduling reasons. But I'm yeah. I'm certainly yeah. excited to come back as a fan. Not as if you're short of things like Top Gun and Wonder Woman to work on. So you know, <laughs> in terms of other things, is there anything else you particularly want to get across about the Mandalorian that we haven't covered so far? Not necessarily. I just I don't know. It just particularly season one. I think because it was so daring for Lucasfilm yeah. to take it into an episodic format to launch a whole new platform with the Disney Plus thing and with the series and the whole thing, you kind of felt like you were doing something pretty special. And it was great to kind of get the support from the studio and the filmmakers and just uh, every, everybody was on the same page of like making this everything it could be. And just, you know, it was just a true pleasure to be a part of and couldn't have liked pretty much everybody more. Because that's another thing you're in. Yeah. You're stuck with these people for such a long time. <laughs> And, you know, everybody, hey, everybody's moving at incredible speeds to get these things done and it can get tense. Everybody's tired sometimes. And, you know, you've got to make these deadlines and could be late nights or whatever, but it just couldn't have been a better group of people. And also the fact that all the picture editors sound like all the disciplines getting nominated is great. You know, I mean, I think there's three episodes nominated for picture editing alone yeah. and kind of all, all the different editors for each show got nominated. So I, I think it just goes to show that like, really everybody took great pride and care in this series and just wanted it to be the best thing it could be and you know the fact that it's getting recognized for all this is amazing but I think once it came out and just hearing from friends and you know kind of everybody thinking it was such a special thing was great certainly these the nominations are incredible as well and to be nominated for Emmy for the first time is amazing because typically as a music editor we're not we don't get nominated with a lot of these other you know particularly in film it's very 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 seldom so that's a great honor as well I don't know (laughs) Stephanie and I were talking about, hey, what's going to be going on in the world at that point? And the fun time, maybe I get to dress up in a black tie (laughs) and go to an award show. We may have to do this over Zoom from our living room or something. So that's going to be that's going to be interesting. You can still dress up in the black tie. It's fine. (laughs) Well, that is I think I'm wondering, though, but I would I just do would I just do the shirt tie and jacket (laughs) I wear? Would I still be in PJs and like slippers? Because I don't know. That's that's certainly a thing that's, you know, all of our video conferencing and stuff now it's like I've worn sweatpants more this in these last <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, that's um, interesting. All right, I'm going to let you go. A couple of final questions for you, sure. which are the same for everybody and they're always TV related. Okay. First question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? What am I watching? Well, I did. I just finished Watchmen, so I was really late to the party on that. Yeah. I watched uh, Perry Mason. Oh, yeah. amazing. That is phenomenal. The score for that is really good. I can't remember the, the Perry's the actor's name. Um, Matthew Reese. That's it. Yes. He's right. That's right. That's right. He's incredible in that. Um, Umbrella Academy with the new season coming out. I, I need to spend some time and watch that. Yeah. Second um, season's phenomenal. What else have I been watching? I mean, I watch the news all the time. Yes. Which is really not really what anybody bad. wants to hear. Yeah. But I mean, it feels like you have to, or at the very least, it's kind yes. of going on in the back in the background for like what other craziness is happening to us these days. Yes. Um, what else am I watching? 
oh, I watch some really trashy TV too. I watch like the Real Housewives or <laughs> various things. <laughs> that's that's a yeah. guilty pleasure. So I probably shouldn't have said that. I probably should have admitted to that on this. On this. But, but um, here we are. Uh, yeah, there's a ton of other, there's you, so much good stuff right now. You wouldn't believe some of the trash that some of the people I, people I highly respect that work in the industry and they watch some awful oh, yeah. trash because, yeah. I, and in some cases, it's like the composers will just watch things that don't have music in. So, or, yeah. or like the editors will watch stuff if they edit drama all the time they'll watch an awful mm-hmm. lot of reality tv because it's the it's not their thing so they don't have to think about it you know 100 so. i don't when i'm in the car i don't listen to music i listen to podcasts i listen to a lot of a lot of talking i just yeah. don't i'm all musicked out yeah. um by the end of the day and i shouldn't say real housewives is trashy it's just <laughs> it okay, is. maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is. You're okay. allowed to say but that. It's That's great. Fun. It's a total guilty pleasure. I love yeah. it. So yeah, I watch that. There's and there's so many. I'm sure I'm forgetting. I have my watch list is crazy right now, and I have a lot of films to catch up on too. Yeah. But there's there is so much good. Yeah. like episodic content apple oh, yeah. apple has a ton of good stuff yeah i mean the, um, the morning the morning show was the spectacular. morning yeah. that um, was really good see see yeah. was spectacular and for all mankind as well yeah for yeah. all mankind's no. just a brilliant show it really is and it's kind of you know going from film but then into episodic content before it wasn't kind of the same thing or you get trapped in episodic but episodic stuff now is just yeah. so incredibly well done it's right on level with with all the film content coming out and in a lot of cases it's just really really solid and you get to paint on a much larger canvas which is interesting you don't you're not constrained by you know two and a half hours or whatever yeah um, so there's a lot of great stuff out there so i'll keep watching for sure yeah there's a lot of really good stuff so coming to that if you had the opportunity to work on any show can be something from the historical past can be something in the present or some mm-hmm. sort of future genre has to be a tv show not a film and it can't be something okay. you've worked on what would it be man one of my favorite shows of all time is the wire from hbo yes that was that was incredible kind of the different you know going from baltimore like the streets with all the drug stuff to then going to the port you know the seaside yeah they had so many aspects of that and that that's probably one of my favorite shows of all time so to have been a part of that would have been incredible and i, I honestly don't think it was that musically dense it was more kind of sourcey stuff and i have been a long time so you, you'll have to forgive me yeah. but that's one of the few shows that really sticks with me or even i mean sopranos would have been amazing future i don't know it would have been great to work on season two of mandalorian yeah. um, but <laughs> but um yeah or even uh, a really good friend of mine sally bolt was the music editor on watchmen and that was another one that I was just blown away yeah. by what they did. And I'm actually really glad that they're not in the same category that we are. Because that was <laughs> yeah. that, that's some seriously stiff competition. And I we we spoke a couple weeks ago after I finally watched it. And that was just phenomenal. And Trent and Atticus, what they did with that score was awesome. The way all the songs tied into everything. Mm. Just so much good kind of quality content and really thoughtful stuff. So I, yeah. I guess I gave you a few things I'd like to, I would have liked to have or would, would anyway. Yeah, I hope that's okay. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. That's a good selection there. And are you working on anything now that you can talk about? I mean, is Top Gun done at this point or are you still Yeah, it's all, pretty much everything's done. I'm on something else and I'm just kind of in a, from a, I'm very superstitious about it from a sense of like, I don't actually say what I'm working on until I'm done. Fair enough, yeah. 
I don't know why, but I think an editor got me started on that. They're like, Hey dude, don't put your name up on IMDb. You could get fired. Who knows? Yeah. And I'm like, God, that looked that look really bad or be very presumptuous. Um, yes. No. So I don't from a purely superstitious standpoint and also security wise as well. Yeah. I don't kind of, a lot of times don't say what I'm working on until I'm done with the project. Yeah. Um, but I am, I am working and, uh, Good. there's some, yeah, there's some exciting, exciting stuff coming up. Very, yeah. Very well, given, given your history with films, I very much look forward to whatever it is that's coming out next because they've all been pretty spectacular so yeah it's been a good year a lot of really good stuff i got to work on recently the whole release date shuffle thing is a bit maddening right now yeah. it's just pushing and pushing and pushing and yeah it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out the release calendar got really busy at the end of this year and then now everybody's kind of starting to shove off into 2021 and i have to say top gun pushing to july 2nd next year is genius from rather it was like i think it was christmas but even just this year everybody i know watched top gun on the fourth of july i mean it is like the <laughs> yeah. most, you know like america yeah kind of movie ever <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's it's so perfect i it truly is and so i think that was just a brilliant move because the end of the year was getting crazy packed anyway yeah. i have to say i'm really excited about chris's chris nolan's movie coming out yes soon um that's always a spectacle he always puts out amazing amazing content so i can't wait to see that i don't know if personally i'll be going to a theater anytime soon but no. that is certainly the only that is the only way to watch it i think no. for him he, he just does such a big proper theatrical spe spectacle yeah it's been lovely to have you on thanks for sitting down and chatting with me for a bit i am very much looking forward to i know you didn't work on the second season but the next thing to go back to oh 100 well, so. oh it's gonna be great um, i can't wait yeah you get to watch as a fan this time <laughs> exactly no, it'll be but, great. Uh, yeah, and I'm looking forward to Top Gun coming out because I, I have such fond memories of that first movie and Wonder Woman as well. I mean, the first Wonder Woman movie was fabulous. So. Yeah, it's going to be a good year of content coming out for sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good lot of good stuff coming out. Yeah. Have a great day. I <laughs> will talk to you again soon at some point. I great. Thank you so much. Oh, I cheers. appreciate it. Have a good one. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 